What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ready to take your call now. Call 800-357-1583. That's 800-357-1583. Again, 800-357-1583. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. NBC News Radio, I'm Matt Mattinson. President Trump is expected to announce his pick for the Supreme Court today. We're going to be naming the nominee who hopefully will be on that court for 50 years. Five of Be on there for 50 years. The only thing I can tell you for sure is it will be a woman. Trump made the comment at a campaign rally this week. The only two women on his shortlist are Barbara Lagoa and Amy Coney Barrett. He says he expects to make the big announcement at 5 p.m. Eastern. His nominee will be considered to fill the role of the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away last week from pancreatic cancer. The U.S. now has over 7 million confirmed cases of COVID-19. According to Johns Hopkins University, the cases have resulted in about 203,000 deaths. Worldwide, there were more than 32 million COVID-19 cases cases and nearly a million deaths. More than two dozen people are dead in the crash of a Ukrainian Air Force transport plane. The Russian-built twin-engine turboprop went down and burst into flames last night while attempting to land in the eastern part of the country. Ukrainian officials say two survivors were taken to a hospital in critical condition. Portland, Oregon is under a state of emergency as a right-winged group is planning to hold a major demonstration today. The Proud Boys moved the event to a large park and say they expect an overwhelming turnout. Counter-protesters are expected by liberal groups close by. Cleaning out a garage may sound like hard work, but it could be worth big bucks. Big is in $500,000 for one man who was going through boxes and found a small teapot his mother used to display in their home. Turns out it was from the 18th century and may have been used in a Chinese palace. The man said his grandfather brought it back to England after fighting in the Second World War. It was expected to sell for $50,000, but went for 10 times that at auction. Lisa Taylor reporting. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. This is KCAA. In these days, your dining out choices are limited. Want something mouth-watering good, tasty, convenient, but not the same old, same old? Najwa's Fine Mediterranean Cuisine in Loma Linda has affordable taste sensations and some of the best authentic Mediterranean cuisine around. Fresh, local, healthy, and handmade food made with love and passion in every bite. From delicious beef and chicken kebabs, pitas, excellent hummus, or one of their many other salad soups, shawarma bowls, or sandwiches, Najwa's is the place to go. Najwa's 
is currently open for takeout only, but keep them in mind for your special events coming up too. Najwa's Caterers, local delicious food all day long. Najwa's authentic Mediterranean cuisine located just off of Anderson and Tippecanoe and the 10 Freeway at 24711 Redlands Boulevard in Loma Linda. Call Najwa's Mediterranean Cuisine. You can order at 909-894-0488. 909-894-0488. Najwa's. Great local food nearby. Take it out all day long. Now, here's a new concept. Digital Network Advertising where businesses display your ad inside their building. If a picture's worth a thousand words, your company is going to thrive with digital network advertising. Choose your marketing sites or jump on the DNA system and advertise with all participants. Your business ad or logo is rotated multiple times an hour inside local businesses where people will discover your company. Digital Network Advertising, DNA novel way to be seen and remembered. Digital network advertising with networks in Redlands and Yucaipa. Call in the 909 area 222-9293 for introductory pricing. That's 909-222-9293 for digital network advertising. One last time, digital network advertising. 909-222-9293. KCAA Radio has openings for one-hour talk shows. If you want to host a radio show, now is the time. Make KCAA your flagship station. Our rates are affordable and our services are second to none. We broadcast on three terrestrial frequencies to a population of 5 million people. Plus, we stream and podcast on all major online audio and video systems. If you've been thinking about broadcasting a weekly radio program on real radio plus the Internet, contact our CEO at 281 9-9-9-800-281-599-9800. You can Skype your show from your home to our Redlands, California studio where our live producers and engineers are ready to work with you personally. A radio program on KCAA is the perfect work from home avocation in these stressful times. Just type kcaaradio.com into your browser to learn more about hosting a show on the best station in the nation or call our CEO for details. 281-599-9800. Open for takeout and delivery, El Tapioc Mexican Food Restaurant in the Tri-City Center of Redlands is back. Their entire family is on hand to serve up their delicious burritos, machaca, chorizo, huevos rancheros, steak and eggs, just part of their mouth-watering great food. Since 1531, people have marveled at the miracle of El Tapioc, and now you can marvel at the great food the Lugo family has been serving up for over two decades. Nestled quietly in the corner of the Tri-City Center shopping mall next to Burlington Coat Factory. Support them. They can't wait to serve you some of their delectable, authentic, south-of-the-border Mexican fare at great prices, served up with love. Support the area's best-loved Mexican food restaurant in these tough times. Order up a tasty meal on the phone for delivery or takeout, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call 909-307-0017. That's 909 909- 307-0017 or Google El Tapioc Redlands and treat yourself. The legends you love and the best talk. Your Prologic Radio Mind Spring. 102.3 Allah
Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to our show, The Voice of Islam, the radically engaging, spiritually stimulating show about Islam. Brought to you by Muslims who believe in the Messiah, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community has tens of millions of Muslims for peace in over 200 countries. Our motto is love for all, hatred for none. As you can hear, the women are back on the show today. My name is Mariam, and I'm here with my co-host Arfa. Assalamualaikum, Arfa. Waalaikum assalam. I'm happy to be back here with you, and excited to spend the next hour talking about real issues and questions about Islam. For our listeners who want to learn more about Islam and its revival through the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, you can go online to trueislam.com. Again, that's T-R-U-E-I-S-L-A-M.com. You can check out our Facebook page, Voice of Islam Radio Show. Or if you'd like to talk to someone and ask questions directly, call the number 1-866-Y-ISLAM. That's 1-866-Y-ISLAM. You can also email us your questions and comments to voiceofislamradioshow at gmail.com. So since 1889, our community has condemned all terrorism and strives without violence to establish peace and educate the world about the true teachings of Islam. We'll be with you for the next hour for Real Talk on Islam, and we felt that, the, that a great topic to discuss today would be the idea of the role of women in the home and society, and just in general from an Islamic point of view. I think that's a really good subject to talk about, especially from our perspective, since we are Muslim women. Mm-hmm. Some of our listeners may have preconceived ideas about this, others may not. It all depends on how much exposure you may have had to Islamic culture and beliefs in your own personal life, or maybe you've just seen stuff in the media. Um, Actually, I was recently reading an article about how the unjust laws against women in some countries that are claiming to follow Islam, they actually have no basis in the actual teachings of Islam. And I'd really like our listeners to keep that in mind during our show. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. Um, Now, in every religion's teachings, whether that be Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, and so many other religions, they have such beautiful and pure teachings. And I strongly encourage our listeners that whenever you see any type of violence or terrorism being practiced in the name of religion, that, you know, I guarantee that this is not what the religion stands for. Unfortunately, there are extremists in every faith who misinterpret and just go beyond the original teachings and, you know, even completely twist it into their own beliefs to push, like, their own political agendas. Then they unfortunately try to claim that they represent the entire group. Right, and that's the whole reason. We don't want to avoid any confusion in our show. So today we're going to present only the actual teachings Mm -hmm. of Islam. That way you can cross-check everything. Our sources are going to be the Holy Book of Islam, the Quran, the words of the Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, peace be upon him, and direct quotes from the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, and his successors. So this way, you will be hearing direct teachings rather than people's interpretations of Islam, and then our respected listeners can decide for themselves whether women do or do not have respect and um, are empowered or not in Islam. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Now, in our last show, we covered the topic of the head coverings that Muslim women wear, and we established that this is not a tool to oppress women, but instead a religious practice that Muslim women observe to please God, maintain modesty, Mm -hmm. and to feel empowered. 
Now, today we would like to focus on the status of women within different parts of society. Uh, we thought a great way to break this topic up would be to look at the Islamic point of view of women in four important areas, spiritual, intellectual, economic, and social. So there are a lot of topics that we'll be discussing yeah. um, that we might not go too in-depth today, but if you want to know more about a specific topic, please email us at voiceofislamradioshow at gmail.com. Yes, and that's a lot of things we're trying to cover. So we're going to try and give you as much information as we can and hopefully mm -hmm. in like an easy way to understand. But of course, if you have more questions, please reach out to us. We'd love to clarify anything else. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right into it. Uh, so first, let's start by asking the most basic question. In Islam, are men and women seen as equals? Did God create them to be equal? And the answer to this is clear, yes. Men and women are equal in Islam. Yes, and this can be seen really clearly in the following verse of the Holy Quran. And I'm going to quote from chapter 33, verse 36. Surely men who submit themselves to God and women who submit themselves to him and believing men and believing women and obedient men and obedient women and truthful men and truthful women and men steadfast in their faith and steadfast women and men who are humble and women who are humble and men who give alms and women who give alms and men who fast and women who fast and men who guard their chastity and women who guard their chastity and men who remember Allah much, and women who remember him. Allah has prepared for all of them forgiveness and a great reward. That's a beautiful quote, Mariam, and I'm actually glad you read that full quote in its entirety because you can really see from this verse that the Quran, it takes the time to point out both men and women. And even in the end, saying that you know Allah has prepared for all of them a great reward, now, something that I found interesting is that the Holy Quran is, in fact, the only religious book that repeatedly emphasizes this equality by addressing both gender, genders, you know, men, male and female, men and women, mm -hmm. um, directly by their name. And there are so many other verses like this in the Quran. Right. And like other scriptures, um, you know, all religious scriptures, the Quran does use the general word man or mankind when addressing humans. But when there is a particularly important commandment, like in the verse I just read, mm -hmm. God uses the words men and women specifically when talking to them. And I feel like this not only emphasizes the importance of what God is trying to tell us, but it also shows how they're equal in his eyes. Yeah. So now, okay, so let's go back in time and get some context about what the world was like when Islam was first preached. The Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, may peace be upon him, was given the message of Islam in the year 610. So what did the world look like for women at that time? Okay, so let's try and set a scene. Even though some details varied across the world in general, in general at that time, women did not have many rights at all anywhere. None of the existing religions in the world had specifically given any rights to women. So that meant that women were owned by men. They first belonged to their fathers and then their husbands. And they were not allowed to own any property. Only in some societies, only the rich women, like the queens mm -hmm. and the princesses, they were offered some education, but even that was very yeah. minimal. 
Yeah, and one of the worst examples of the treatment of women was in the very society that the Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him, lived in. In Arabia, female infanticide was very common, and that was when um, they would actually kill baby girls when they would be born because they weren't—they mm-hmm. were seen as a burden or just not as valuable valuable as sons. Women were seen as property and were given as payment when men gambled. Wow! So you can imagine for people who live like this. Hearing mm-hmm. about this new... Re- hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Religion called Islam, which taught about gender equality and the rights of women. That must have just seemed so radical. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Islam gave women basic human rights in a society that didn't even consider them as human and also gave them social and economic rights that no religion had ever given women before. Yeah, exactly. So let's look specifically at some of these rights. We'll start by looking at the spiritual status given to women in Islam. Now, this is an important topic for me personally, because as a Muslim woman, my relationship with God and my spirituality is the most important thing. Like all people of faith, my ultimate goal is to do good in this world in order to please God and eventually go to heaven. Right. Uh, In the Quran, it says in chapter 4, verse 125, But whoso does good works, whether male or female, and is a believer, such shall enter heaven. Now, knowing that God clearly tells us women that we have the exact same spiritual capabilities as men, meaning that your gender makes no difference to how close you can get to God. This gives me like a sense of peace. I I completely Mm -hmm. agree. Also, throughout the pages of the Quran, God gives a very honorable status to pious women in history. One woman in particular is Mary, peace be upon her, mother of Jesus. In fact, the Quran actually has like a whole chapter called Mm -hmm. the chapter of Mary, all about her life. And it praises her high morals and spirituality. And it's really important to point out here that Mary's obedience and dedication to God has been mentioned as an example for all believers, both men and women. Yes, exactly. And actually, if you read the chapter, you'll see that most of this chapter is about her life before she gave birth to Jesus, peace be upon him. So she's not just respected because she's the mother of a great prophet, but because she was such an amazing woman and so close to God even before that. Right, so then in her own right, she was a Mm -hmm. close believer of God. So it's almost like that he chose her to be the mother of Jesus for that reason. Exactly. Now, another side of spirituality is the freedom to practice your faith. Mm -hmm. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, taught that a man may not forbid a woman from worship, attending the mosque or offering her prayers. And this doesn't just apply to Muslim women. He also taught um, even if a Muslim man marries a Christian woman, he can never forbid her from worshiping in her church. Wow. So it's very clear, you know, that in religious matters, God does not allow anyone, man or woman, to get in between of him and his creation. I think that's so important and it's really comforting 
because it keeps our relationship with God really personal and direct. Mm -hmm. Exactly, definitely. So for our listeners out there, we want to hear your thoughts and questions. So again, you can email us at voiceofislamradioshow at gmail.com or call us directly. Our phone number is 1-866-YISLAM. We would definitely love to hear from you. Please, please use all those resources. Mm -hmm. So um, as women, we wear so many different hats within our families, right? Yeah. So we we start as daughters and maybe even sisters. And then some go on to eventually be wives and mothers throughout history. Um, I mean, sorry. (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself here. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, throughout history, women have always had to fight for these roles, right? To be seen as important and given respect. All right. So, exactly. And in Islam, uh, well, actually, Islam was revolutionary in raising the status of women as daughters, As we mentioned earlier, that in the world, or in the world before Islam, daughters were considered worthless and were often killed Mm -hmm. at birth. And this evil act was strictly forbidden with the coming of Islam. So this may have even been the most important right that Islam gave women. It was the Mm -hmm. right to live. And unfortunately, I feel like there are some examples even today um, of this negative attitude about having daughters, and it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, no, it really is. All right, so I would actually like to take a a minute here to explain something for our listeners who may be new to hearing about the teachings of Islam. Uh, In Islam, after the scripture of the Holy Quran, the next most important source of of Islamic teachings is from the Hadith, which are the recorded sayings and actions of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Now, all Muslims follow these teachings, so you might hear us referring to those sayings or incidents often throughout the show. I'm really glad you clarified that because I'm actually going to mention a hadith right now Mm -hmm. about daughters. So, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, A person who is blessed with a daughter or daughters and makes no discrimination between them and his sons and brings them up with kindness and affection... He will be as close to me in paradise as my forefinger and middle finger are to each other. Wow. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, also led by example, he took great care of his daughters and he would even stand up if his daughter Fatima walked into the room wow. just out of respect. You know, and can you imagine that? You know, <laughs> in a time when the norm was that daughters were a burden or not even considered human, you know, they were sold to the highest bidder, even killed without a second yeah. thought. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, showed so much respect to his own daughters and also taught this to his followers. Yeah, and the attitudes here are completely opposite to each other, right? Mm-hmm. You would say it's a it's revolutionary. Yeah. Because to teach society to not only start to think of women as equal but then to take the next step of honoring them and respecting them, like to stand up when his daughter walked into the room. That shows so much love and respect. So Arfa, someone who grew up in a Muslim household, what has been your personal experience of how your parents treat you? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like they treat you differently from how they treat your brother or give you different opportunities? Yeah, actually, my parents always made it clear that I had the same opportunities as my brother. Honestly, sometimes more, (laughs) but I'm grateful for that. Um, And as well as my sisters, when it came to education, jobs, or just how they treated us on a day-to-day basis, I do feel equal. And honestly, um, I'm just going to mention something that I am a daddy's girl, so I do get teased by my brother sometimes that I get better treatment (laughs) or like special treatment, but it's not my fault, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. just a great daughter, you know, (laughs) but again, I'm very grateful for that. 
That's really great mm-hmm. that your parents really made a point to to let you guys know that you guys have equal opportunities. And then, mm-hmm. so does that mean your brother and sister, did they all go on to have education or have, like, follow their career of their choice? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, like, my sister, for example, I feel like she kind of had the best of kind of both worlds. You mm-hmm. know, she, she got her education. She worked for a little bit. Um, you know, she was she got married and t- took some time off to take care of her children. Mm-hmm. But she w- still was still uh, working at the same time, yeah. too. So it's like, it wasn't like that was her duty she just kind of had that freedom to work and go to school and take care of her children and she still has that flexibility of doing like you know part-time work and or take care of her kids if she wants that's really great um okay so then after the role of a daughter as life goes on some women also take on the title of wife and mother Mm -hmm. and in islam husbands and wives are given equal importance the Holy Quran discusses the relationship of husband and wife in the following manner. In chapter 2, verse 188, it says, They are a garment for you, and you are a garment for them. And so that means that they have an equal role in um, providing support and comfort and protection for one another. Mm-hmm. And you can visualize that, you know, the way our clothes and garments protect us from that side yeah. world. We're supposed to do that for each other. Yeah. And there is a common misconception um, about Muslim women being inferior to their husbands mm-hmm. in a marital relationship. However, this is not true. Islam actually raised the status of women within the household by ensuring that they're seen as equals with their husbands and treated respectfully. Right. And the prophet of Islam uh, said, the best among you is he who is the best in his treatment towards his wife. Mm -hmm. And the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the promised Messiah, has further elaborated that the relationship between a husband and wife should be like that of two true and sincere friends. Oh, yeah, I like that. Like two true and sincere friends. Yeah. Yeah. And since the beginning of Islam, which was 1,400 years ago, mm-hmm. Muslim women were given the right to consent to their marriages and even the right to divorce. Wow. And to kind of put things into perspective, um, like in America, women didn't have the right to divorce at all until 1857. And that was from the Matrimonial Causes Act. That was only in very limited wow, situations yeah. as well. You know, they actually didn't get the right to divorce on the same terms or equal terms as men until 1937, oh. which was just 100 years ago. So, you know, just to compare, women in America got these rights 100 years ago when this right was given to m- women in Islam 1,400 years ago. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah. That was after having to protest and fight yeah, for those um, exactly. in the West too. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Now, another crucial teaching Islam has is actually about the importance of mothers. Okay. You know, and in, in an address uh, to the entire Ahmadiyya Muslim community, our Caliph, His Holiness Mirza Masrur Ahmed said, Remember that the key for any nation to thrive and progress lies in the hands of the mothers of that nation. Wow, His Holiness's words are really interesting. Right? Mm-hmm. You would you would think that politicians or wealthy businesses are the ones who control the direction of yeah. a nation. But His Holiness reminds us that the mothers of the nation, they're the ones who are molding the future generations, no matter what they turn out to be yeah. when they're older, right? So they're re- extremely important. And it reminds me of a well-known saying of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that some of our listeners may have even heard of before. 
and that is Paradise Lies Under the Feet of Mothers. Yeah, exactly. I remember learning that. That's one of my favorites, yeah. actually. <laughs> what it means is that for someone to live a good life and to please God, they must respect and obey their mother. Yeah. And that's, of course, you know, if their mother guides them to do good. In this way, on one hand, mothers are given so much importance, and on the other, it gives Muslim mothers um, like this incentive to live up to and just to do their best at raising their children. Yes, it really does. And it's like the saying, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, another incident I, I wanted to mention was about the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Um, so he was approached by a man who once asked him, O holy messenger of Allah, who is the most deserving person to get nice treatment from me? The Prophet replied, your mother. He asked again, who next? He got the same reply, your mother. He asked a third time and was told again, your mother. But when he asked the fourth time, he was told by the Holy Prophet, your father. Okay, so what the Prophet of Islam here was emphasizing was that the mother was worthy of so much respect mm -hmm. that it was even more than the father. Yeah. Now, I don't want anyone to get confused. That doesn't mean we don't respect fathers in the house. <laughs> They're very loved in our yes, houses. Yes, yes, of course. But I'm sure everyone would agree that mothers are irreplaceable. Right. And Mariam, you're a mother of four adorable little boys. So from your viewpoint, why do you think it's so important for there to be so much respect for mothers? Well, I mean, as, as you mentioned, uh, we see ourselves, right, every day. We witness how much love and attention our own mothers give us mm -hmm. and all the stuff they do for us when we're growing up. But when you actually become a mother, mm -hmm. um, going through pregnancy with all of its worries and discomforts, and then there's, like, the pains of childbirth, and that yeah. can even be life-threatening sometimes. Yeah. And then taking care of a newborn all through the night, and uh. then you have to then, that's just the beginning. <laughs> then you raise them through all the different stages of their lives. Yeah. So you realize that as a mother, there really isn't anything you wouldn't do for your children because the bond is yeah. just so deep. No, really, I can imagine. So for me, um, for my faith, to emphasize the importance of a mother's sacrifice, mm -hmm. it's really nice because I don't have to fight for that respect. Yeah, and I true. feel that this attitude actually benefits the whole family. Um, so, you know, for a husband, it reminds him constantly of the importance of his wife as a mother. Of course, it reminds the children um, yes. of their responsibilities and their love for their mother. But one thing that I don't think people realize is that it also makes the mother herself have a sense of empowerment and self-worth, and it motivates her to do her best in raising good human beings. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I also wanted to bring up, uh, because of these current times, how is homeschooling <laughs> going, by the way? I knew you have four boys in, in different um, levels, right? Yes, like, different grades. <laughs> different grade levels, yeah. So it seems like you're doing some overtime. Huh? Yes. Um, I'm sure all yeah. the parents who are listening know parenting is difficult enough. Yes. And then these days, during the pandemic, it's been a whole other challenge. Oh, my gosh, I bet. With everyone being at home um, most of the time, the workload for the parents, and I think in most households, it's the workload for the mom. Mm -hmm. um, it's multiplied so much. There's cooking and cleaning and keeping everyone busy and safe and also homeschooling now. Um, mm -hmm. There's just so much. And then yeah. I also have friends who are working moms. So they have to add that to the list. And yeah, yeah I just don't know how I anyone's doing it. You should teach them how to clean the home too. Yeah. <laughs> that should be on the, the yeah. agenda. So I can't imagine, but honestly, definitely, I have a lot of respect to all the moms and parents during these times. Mm -hmm. So great job out there. Thank you. And with all the worries, you know, and stress that come out of COVID, I just want to take a moment here to send our thoughts and prayers with everyone who's listening. 
Although we all have different challenges, whether they're financial, medical, or really anything else, that we're all in this together. And with each other's support and prayers, we will get through this. Yes, definitely. We're praying for everyone, and we request that everyone keeps us in their prayers, too. Okay, so now that we've briefly discussed spiritual and social status of a Muslim woman, I think a good topic to go on to next would be Mm -hmm. her economic status. Yes. So this is an important topic because financial empowerment is crucial to maintaining independence and equality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and what many of our listeners may not know is that Islam places the... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Financial responsibility of running a household on the man. So this is not to say that a Muslim woman is not allowed to have a career or earn or own her own property. Mm -hmm. Actually, she's not only allowed to do all those things, but she's actually not obligated to share her earnings in the household expenses. Yeah. So in Islam, anything that a woman earns is hers and her husband cannot claim it. However, anything that her husband earns is equally hers. Right. And this is not to say that women cannot share their earnings in an Islamic household, but the key factor here is that it's her choice and not her duty to do so. Right. Um, you know, as I mentioned about my sister, you know, it wasn't like her duty, but it was yeah. like her choice, right? So Islam makes sure that the duties and responsibilities within the house are balanced and fair. So in Islamic teachings, while women have a choice on whether or not they want to contribute to the household financially, men must fulfill their financial responsibilities as well as being involved with their children, mm-hmm. wives, and the helping of yes. the household. You know? Yes, and actually the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led by example by helping with household tasks along with his wife, like stitching his own clothes, mending his shoes, or just repairing household items. That's a really great example for all husbands to follow. Uh, marriage is a partnership, mm-hmm. and um, so both husband and wife really should help each other to make each other's lives mm-hmm. easier because then it's better for the whole family. Yeah. So I, I wonder if our listeners knew that Islam was also the first religion that gave women the right of inheritance. Mm-hmm. So not just in Arabia, but throughout the whole world. And this was a radical change from the society before Islam when women were considered the property of their male guardians and were bought and sold like objects. Yeah, and the Quran gave women enormous rights by making daughters, along with their sons, heir to the property left by their parents. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but Muslim women were entitled to inherit property as a mother, a wife, daughter, or a sister. And this is actually made uh, clear in the Quran, specifically in this verse, and I'll quote, For men, there is a share of that which parents and near relatives leave, and for women, there is a share 
of that which parents and near relatives leave. And that's in chapter 4, verse 8. Right. So, so giving women the right to own and inherit property, it gave them importance and a place in social structure. So financial rights, I feel like they really do have a big impact on social rights. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, we have a few guests today to discuss their personal experiences on these topics. Um, the first guest we have for you today is Sadka from California. Mm-hmm. She is the director of operations of um, dermatology clinics in Southern California. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you, Sadka. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Thank you can so you much for joining. Yes, yes, we can. We can hear you. Thank you so much Welcome. for joining us today. Thank you. It's oh. wonderful to be on here. Yeah, <laughs> should we just get right into it? Yeah. We have so many questions for you. <laughs> yes. We're excited to talk to you. Um, so let's start with the first one. Do you feel like it's harder for women to get ahead in professional fields? Um, you know, simple textbook answer, yes. But we are also bridging that gap, you know. Um, we're really not competing with men here. We need to see it as a collaborative and not a competitive uh, state. Right, right. I think that's a really great way to, to think about it because sometimes, you know, when you have to fight so hard for your rights in society, you kind of get very defensive and you feel like you have to kind of push the other person down. But mm-hmm. I like how you're thinking where, you know, we have to pull each other up. Yeah, definitely. And then, and do you feel like your religious beliefs limit your professional aspirations? Sadka? <laughs> Did we lose her? Sapka, are you still on the line? We have so many more questions. I hope you're still <laughs> I there. hope that wasn't the only one that you're answering. <laughs> Let's oh, I think we lost her for a moment. We'll try and get her back. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, all right, that's the only question I have for today. <laughs> right. Bye. <laughs> I liked her point, though, what she yeah. was saying about men and women working together in mm-hmm. the workplace. Yeah. Because I think it's really important. Yeah, and there's been so many, like, laws passed, um... I don't know if you heard about the the Supreme Court uh, senator who passed away. Yeah, you know, um, RBG. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, she gave so many rights. I was reading up on like what rights she gave to us too, and yeah. it's it's pretty incredible, you know. Yeah. Um. So I, I encourage our listeners to you know read up on her as well, kind of see how she's also paved the way for women in America. But I was yeah. just um, reading a really great quote from her mm-hmm. where she was saying, um, there should be women present anywhere a decision is made. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen that too. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. I, okay. Th- I think we might have Sadka back. Yes. Do we have you there? Yes. Yes. I okay, don't know good. where we lost each other. It's okay. <laughs> we're so glad to have you back. But um, no, we were just talking about... Um, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and how much she's done for women too, you know, just because she was, she wanted women to be included in all the decisions made. So it kind of went from your point mm-hmm. about men and women helping each other in the professional field. Yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, I mean, obviously we do have a lot of work ahead of us mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, we will work on it. I, I, I think we have a lot of hope. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah, great. Definitely. And then do you feel like your religious beliefs limit your professional aspirations in any way? No, not at all. Because, you know, I believe religion doesn't limit you in any way, you know, Mm. but it enhances you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So all the good you learn in any religion assists and is an aspiration for you to progress in any work field or in, you know, regular living, Right. right? I think my beliefs and values help me become even a better person 
in mm. all my professional decisions. How, how yeah. do you feel? Like, is there an example you can give us on how your beliefs have helped you, like, get, you know, mm. better in your professional field? Well, it's the, it's the core values that were taught, right? Mm-hmm. You know, right. And, and we were taught those core values, which were to be respectful, trustworthy, honest, have integrity, you know, be truthful, responsible, accountable for your actions, mm-hmm. you know, compassion, wisdom, right. all yeah. that, you know. Definitely. And, and still, so self-reflect, you know, have dignity. We have to adhere to laws and regulations, you know, yeah. and, you know, effective communication. So yeah. those yeah. are all the, you know, teachings mm-hmm. that we see and beliefs that, you know, we have in Islam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. More focused. Yeah, like respecting your coworkers, respecting your, you know, so if you're a supervisor, yeah. you know, respecting your employees, sure. definitely. And um, especially, you know, because you are on a, you're a director, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, you sure. have a lot of employees, you know, just getting that same respect back. So definitely. Now, I had another question um, that I wanted to bring up, too. How do you balance faith and your career? Right. So my faith and my belief, you know, they help me balance my career out in a way that I'm, I'm in healthcare field. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Which is mostly based on ethics and experience, which is human care and generosity, right? Mm-hmm. There's right. a strong belief in my faith. Like it, it's instilled all the great values to treat other humans, like I mentioned earlier, yes. right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. overall, my faith is with me 24-7, right? Mm-hmm. Which guides me for that 8 to 10 hours a day <laughs> I put in my career and workplace, Yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously, I struggle, I learn, and that's how we move on, you know? Yeah, oh, exactly. You know? Yeah. And um, are there any Islamic teachings that have had an, a positive impact on your career? Like, um, I, I was mentioning to Mariam before, like in my... Uh, like when when I'm working too, I've had my coworkers like ask me about my religion, and I feel like I get that opportunity mm-hmm. to, um, you know, get to uh, bring awareness to certain things and yeah. kind of uh, explain certain situations. But for you, did you have any kind of positive impact, or how do you feel like um, that affects you in your career? I, I would like to believe so. You know, <laughs> that's that it. You know. Yeah. But you know, the few again, like I would just say that the highlight. I can highlight few of the teachings that mm-hmm. I have, you know. And please understand, I'm far from being perfect at it, you know. <laughs> we but all are, yes. Yeah. The main thing is <laughs> nobody's perfect. perfect. Yeah. But, you know, we keep on trying, right? So that's what it is. So the few of the Islamic morals, like, which are related to, like I say, social and professional ethics, which I try to instill in myself, mm-hmm. are the core values like equality, you know, fairness, mm-hmm. justice, mm-hmm. Yes. freedom and order. And those mm-hmm. are the ideals and goals, you know, of mankind for governing any society or workplace, you know. Yeah. And I try to master those and reflect on those quite a lot, That's you know. Good. Yeah. And then in your you workplace, know? do you feel like you have um, a big mix of people from different backgrounds and, you know, men, women, everyone, so that you can kind of learn from each other and have that environment? Yes, yes. Yes, and, and, and we have a very peaceful and, um, you know, I mean, you'd have to ask them, really. <laughs> but we have a, a, a quite a peaceful atmosphere there with all the different, um, you know, um, we have different yeah. race, we have different genders. We, you, know, I mean, you know, and people have different um, values. And it's so you know? important, but I think, in the day, like these days, to kind of have mm-hmm. understanding for each other. You should be able to work with people who you disagree with, yeah. but you should be able to live respectfully with each other and in peace and love. Yeah, exactly. I think um, 
my work too, we had, well, before COVID, (laughs) pre-COVID times, um, (laughs) we would have um, a potluck. And actually the best potluck we had was like, um, it was like around the world potluck. So everybody Mm -hmm. from their different culture brought in their own food. So we had, you know, Hispanic food. We had, um, I brought Pakistani food. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, Filipino food. It was just it was such a great Paula because you really got to see the different kinds of diversity, even in the world yeah. workplace. It makes you feel, um, you know, unique. It makes you feel uh, like at yeah. peace with one another, you know, because right. everybody's accepting yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 Right. I, was, I, I think that's, that's a great way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. think I'm going to instill that at my workplace now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should. I mean, once it's safe, of course, now everyone's going to yeah. want everything wrapped separately. Right, but, definitely. Uh, it was so much fun yeah. talking to you. Yeah, thank, thank you so you much South for coming Kamaji. on the show. Thank you so much for well, joining us. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. All right, that was a really good discussion. Yeah, I like fun. that, yeah. So the last topic we wanted to discuss um, in Islam's views on women and education right. um, was, you know, Islam's views on women in education, but Islam not only gave the right to an education, but it encouraged women to educate themselves. Mm -hmm. The importance of education is stressed equally for men and women. And the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, actually says this. Um, He says, it is the duty of every Muslim man and every Muslim woman to acquire knowledge. Right. And he showed this by encouraging his own wives to seek knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, An example is his wife, Aisha, was so educated that he once stated that the half of the religion of Islam could be learned just from her. Wow. You know, so I was researching the history of women in education. I actually learned that the oldest university in the world was actually founded by a Muslim woman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Her name was Fatima al-Firi in Morocco in the year 895. So she and her sister were well-educated, and Fatima used the money that she inherited from her father to buy a large mosque, which later became a university. Wow, that's so yeah. interesting. And and here you see so many different teachings of Islam. She could mm-hmm. inherit money yeah. there, and then she <laughs> right. you know, promoted education. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So at, this, at the time that Islam was bringing enlightenment for women mm-hmm. and promoting education, unfortunately, at the same time in Europe, if a woman displayed any kind of knowledge, she was in danger of being accused of being a witch wow. and burnt at the stake. <laughs> yeah, I remember learning those, like the, the Salem witch trials, right? Yes. The witch hunts. Wow, that happened until the end of the 17th century. Wow. Um, and in, in fact, in the United States, universities did not even allow women admission into higher learning until the beginning of the 20th century. I I actually recently heard a quote from our caliph. Yeah. Um, His Holiness recently um, said that, um, and I quote directly from him, another characteristic of this era is that women have sought their rights from men. However, Ahmadi Muslim women should ask themselves who are men to bestow rights upon them when their creator, Allah the Almighty, has himself bestowed upon them all that they need and desire. Wow. Yeah. So like his, his holiness's message is so accurate and that we can see through society about how the way in which throughout history, men are the ones who ran society and they were trying to suppress women's rights in different ways to suit mm. them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. So um, I actually really like that quote. Yeah. It's very empowering yes. that we shouldn't have to convince men to give us rights that God already gave us. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So... Now we have another guest speaker discussing their experience of education as a Muslim woman, Dr. Aziza. Dr. Aziza is an American Muslim who lives in Southern California. 
She grew up in England and received her PhD in biochemistry from the University of London. She is currently a vice president from the National Women's Auxiliary for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Ziza. Peace be upon you. Welcome to our show. So we were just talking about education and wanted to know your views on some of these topics. So the first question that I had for you today was, what were your parents' attitudes towards you receiving a higher education? Uh, my parents, both of them, had a very positive uh, attitude towards uh, education. And my father, uh, following the hadith that you had earlier said, uh, although he had three daughters and only one son, mm-hmm. he made sure that his daughters got uh, the same education as his son did. Oh. And we actually we moved from Pakistan when I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. And this meant there was a much better opportunity for us um, uh, for our education than they had had themselves. Mm-hmm. Because my parents were actually raised in a small village in what was India at the time, but it's now Pakistan, mm-hmm. with very little facilities. But they both uh, had very good education. Um, my mother was actually one of the first girls to attend a girls' academy, which was very unusual oh. at that time. Mm-hmm. And she graduated from there. And my father, uh, who excelled in his studies, uh, he actually had to go abroad to study. And then he went on to become a world-renowned theoretical physicist who actually won a Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, should mention here, we should mention that your father Definitely. was um, Dr. Abdus Salam, yes. and he's renowned throughout the whole world for his work in physics Yes, and his Nobel Prize mm-hmm. that he won. So that's, that's a yeah. big, big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah. It is. But another great thing was that he founded the International Center for Theoretical Physics for students from developing countries to continue their education in higher physics, which they couldn't do in their own countries. So Mm -hmm. education was the most important thing. Um, Our father really encouraged the love of education, reading especially, at a very early age. We had no TV when we were growing up. Yeah. and going to a bookstore and picking out books was actually one of our greatest treats. Yeah, no, that's good. That's it's, it's kinda, very important. We should practice that here now in yeah. this generation. No Hopefully, TV. we won't lose it. But yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, so they had very high. They had very high expectations for that's us. That's great. Yeah, definitely. And, and then, do you feel like? Um, and then you went on to um, uh, go on in further education, correct? Mm-hmm. What did mm-hmm. you do? Well, I uh, after. I went to uh, the University of London and did both my bachelor's and, uh, and my PhD in biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, it, my research was uh, it's, uh, hormonal regulation of the various metabolic pathways, which is probably not very interesting wow. to you. Wow. But no, actually. I, was, <laughs> it I wish we could understand yet. that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I was always very interested in medical research. I had oh. thought about going into medicine, but mm-hmm. at that time it was very difficult for girls because they would demand very high grades. And also oh. in the interviews, the first thing they would say, well, are you going to get married oh, and have wow. children? And if you were, they didn't want you to... You know, uh, they would wow. give you a place in medical school. And that was in England? That was in England wow. at that time, yeah. So in your course, were there not many women? Uh, not even, yeah, even doing PhDs, there were very few. There were few. Oh, wow. I was very lucky I, I got a place there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we moved to, after that, we moved to New York. I got married and my husband wanted to move to the States, so we were in New York. And there I got a job as a postdoc at the Cancer Research Institute, uh, which is part of Columbia University's Medical mm-hmm. Center. 
And, and I worked for a while on pituitary tumors. Mm-hmm. Um, do you then, feel like you were able to use your education in a professional way or, or in any other way in, in your future? Um, well, both. I did some in my own field, but then we moved to California, mm-hmm. uh, by which time I had two children. Later on, mm-hmm. I had another two children. Mm-hmm. I did some teaching for a while. Research is a very, you know, uh, the hours don't work so well with uh, raising a family. Mm-hmm. But I've worked with our women's auxiliary, as you mentioned, in lots of different capacities. Um, I've done a lot of work in translating. I've helped write books. Um, to the surprise of my English teacher, oh. um, <laughs> I've edited the magazine. I've spoken mm-hmm. at various functions, and I travel, you know, for meetings and things. Oh. And although my background, you know, was in science, mm-hmm. uh, this education has really helped me in all sorts of fields. In fact, in one of the first books that we were writing, which is a guidebook for women in Islam, mm-hmm. I got selected to actually put the book together because everybody liked the style I wrote in, oh. which was very clear That's and really... scientific. Great. No, that's really great because so it shows that your education not only helped you uh, in your career and, you know, in your research, but once you became a mother, it wasn't like, oh, well, that was useless. It's it's like done, you you. know, it's like, oh, you're done (laughs) working. No, you never stop learning. That's great. Yeah. Do you do you feel like the education level of mothers actually affects their children at all? Oh, yeah, it has a huge impact uh, because it has a huge impact on the way she raises her children. Like you already mentioned, the second Khalifa of our um, community, mm-hmm. he said that when you educate a woman, you're educating a nation. Wow. And yeah. so the exactly. way the woman's raising her children doesn't just affect the children, it affects the future of the nation. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's important for herself also that, you know, especially today where women are still fighting for rights, mm-hmm. that they have an education themselves because it gives them an identity. It gives them a confidence yes. and a focus. They can also, this way, you know, an educated woman will also uh, uh, know more about her faith also and be able to follow, um, you know, the, the standards that are set by it as well. Right. I mean, and they always say in ignorance is to do with not being educated, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Because it went, and, and that's also very important because if she's got an education, she has a greater insight to their needs. And right. what's going on around her? Because you know times are changing so quickly that you have to keep up with what the children are exposed. Yeah, to. exactly. And um, and then she'll want them, you know, to be at least as educated as her. I mean, my kids always knew that mom wasn't going to be satisfied with just one degree; they had to go on <laughs> and get graduate degrees. So I need two degrees. <laughs> they stepped up, and one is an MD, one's a JD, and two of them have master's degrees. So oh, that's great. good. I'm happy that they. Yeah. I actually wanted to go back to what you were saying earlier about the center that your your father opened. Can you explain a little bit about that and mm-hmm. why it's so important? Well, he had to leave the country because there was no further um, where anywhere that he could get more education. Mm-hmm. And he felt this very keenly, and so he decided, and it was he took the idea to UNESCO, and UNESCO funded it. And... Um, so that students from developing countries, most of the students who go there are from Africa or Asia or developing nations where they don't have the facilities and they do their degrees, their PhDs, graduate degrees there. And then they have scientists who come from the U.S., people, top people in the field, they come and they give them lectures and interact wow. with them. So That's it's a very really unique a, opportunity. It's yeah. very unique. And you know, the sad thing is that there are so many countries where women... and. He also, you know, is really promoting women. He did, um, you know, a lot of women go there. 
But mm-hmm. in some countries, and unfortunately some Islamic countries, women still don't have an education. And mm-hmm. uh, you know what happened in Pakistan to Malala? Malala oh, yes. 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 She's a wonderful person. I was lucky enough to meet her last year because oh, she wow, came to really? the... Yes, she came to the premiere of a, a documentary on my father. Yeah. So they're the two Nobel Prize winners uh-huh. of Pakistan. Oh, that's a great and, documentary, uh, actually. Everyone should try and watch yeah. it. It's on Netflix, Netflix so it yeah. gives some background. So. Definitely. Actually, and even before that, I, I remember learning about um, Dr. Abdul Salam. My brother did a science project on him one time, actually. Oh, wow. And I, right. we learned so much, so he did do a lot for, you know, everyone and just right. his accomplishments, yeah. definitely. But wow. So um, we still need to do a lot more for education for women. Yes. It's, it's really vitally important. Mm-hmm. Yes, but as you said, like, you know, the mothers who are educated, they'll raise a nation of people to fight for that, you know, mm-hmm. in the future, and, and they'll hopefully keep getting better and better. But yeah. thank you so much for coming on to our show Definitely. today. It was really, thank really you. enjoyable and insightful yeah. um, to speak to you. And hopefully thank we'll you. have you back on again. Yeah, another time. definitely. Allah. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was a really good discussion. Yeah, it yeah. was. Liked it. Um, so we've been sent some questions um, by our listeners and friends. We thought that these might be questions that you, as our listeners, might have as well. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, um, I would like to encourage our listeners one last time to please reach out and email us at voiceofislamradioshow at gmail.com. Um, yes, cool. please, please reach out. We also have our Facebook page, Voice of Islam Radio Show. Or if you'd like to call and get some answers immediately, you can call at one eight six Y Islam, and there'll be someone there to answer your 1-8-6-6, call. One eight six six, yeah, Y Islam, yep. mm-hmm. exactly. So um, let's get into the questions um, that we'd like to answer. Uh, one of the questions was submitted by Shannon from Orange County. So she asked, "I have heard in other countries women are not allowed to drive cars or go out without a man." Is it true? And how do American Muslims feel about this? So I'll take that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's a really great question. Thank you so much for submitting it. So um, as we briefly mentioned at the start of the show, um, that when you see countries oppressing anyone, let alone women, um, in the name of Islam, it is in complete disobedience to the actual teachings of Islam. Mm-hmm. How can someone, on one hand, believe in the teachings that we, we talked about today? Like, the Prophet of Islam said, Paradise lies under the feet of mothers, and the best among you is he who treats his wife the yeah. best. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, himself, stood up when his daughter walked into yes. the room. But then, on the other hand you believe that it's okay to abuse and degrade women, they don't match up those views and they Mm -hmm. don't make sense. So if someone investigates and takes time to see um, the actual teachings of Islam, which I'd encourage you all to do, please, Mm -hmm. then they will not only find that, um, you know, women are uplifted in Islam, but there's actually nothing to support nonsensical laws. Like Mm -hmm. I heard, you know, women are not allowed to drive or they're not allowed out by themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And, Islam promotes the actual separation of religion and state. So for these to be in law is just not right. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2013, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community was asked in a press conference whether his leadership role as caliph fit within a democratic society. His holiness went on to explain the separation of church and state, actually. And he said, when Islam spreads far and wide, the Muslim caliph will play no role in government and will never interfere with matters of the state. We have no political ambitions or desires. 
we believe entirely in a separation of religion and matters of a state. Right. So here, from what His Holiness has said, you can see that, you know, it's better to keep religion and politics separate. Mm -hmm, exactly. And I think we can see that even in history through multiple examples with the kings and queens of Europe, there's wars being waged for decades and mm -hmm. centuries just over religion. <laughs> yes. um, and later on, we found out it wasn't even about religion. It was them using it as a yeah. cover up, you know, so exactly political power. Exactly. Yes. So I hope we're able to answer that question. Well, yeah, I know that was a good, good question. So, um, okay, so another question we have here, we have a little bit of time, so we'll try and just answer that quickly, is um, are women allowed inside mosques? Mm -hmm. So I'll answer this. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely they are. As we discussed earlier, women and men have equal rights to worship God. So in mosque, um, if you go to a mosque, you will see that men and women have um, their own sides. There's a woman's side and there's a men's side. Um, and the reason being for that is when you come to a mosque, your focus should be on God and prayer. And there should be no other distractions. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. yeah, and if you get a chance, uh, we do have a mosque out here in Chino. Um, you can see that men and women, the sides are the same. Mm -hmm. uh, the sizes are the same. And, you know, normally before COVID, yeah. <laughs> of course, um, it's very busy and constantly in use. Right. Uh, you know, there's different kinds of rooms where we hold meetings or pray or, you know, there's different, like a nursery too. So That's normally where I see you every weekend. Yes, you know? exactly. So, right. <laughs> I'll yeah. see you post COVID there too. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's hope but, um, soon. Yeah. Okay, so well, since we've been mentioning different milestones in history about women's rights, we can't forget to mention that this year marks the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and the women's suffrage movement. Mm -hmm. And so to me, this is a reminder that voting is a right, but it's also a privilege. Yes, right. And we have a big election coming up this right. November. I just wanted to remind our listeners and everyone to make sure to get out and vote. Yes, it's so important. We need everyone's voices to be heard. Um, I hope you're all registered. I just checked. There's great websites where you can um, check if you're registered. So um, for our listeners who are interested in more information about voting and volunteering at the polls, please visit um, this website called www.absolutejustice.us. Yeah, that's actually a really good website. Um, it gives information about um, just, you know, what's going on right now, the voting polls, volunteering yeah. and all that. Um, a really good resource to check out. Yeah. Um, and also, Mariam, are you registered to vote? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. I checked. Yes, yes we are. Yes, I'm registered too. All right. So um, I think, yeah. Yeah. So... Again, our listeners, make sure you register to vote. Um, do you know when California's voting is? I, think it's uh, I just got something in the mail saying my mail-in ballot should be coming in October. So. October, yeah, yes. I'm trying so. to get there early so mm -hmm. that, you know, my vote counts too. Yes, so everyone make sure you, you know, get out to those voting polls, uh, you know, whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. to and also please email us because we will be, the women will be coming back once a month. We want to hear questions mm -hmm. that maybe you want Muslim women to answer. Mm -hmm. Our regular team answers all the questions. They're doing great. But if there's something you specifically want to hear from Muslim women, please, please email us. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mariam, it looks like that's all the time we have for mm -hmm. today. But please tune in every Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. Mariam and I will be back next month in October. So don't forget to tune in for that as well. Thank you so much, um, and may peace and blessings be with all of you. Yes, Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar.
KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. From the Bureau of Economic Geology, this 